Glorious! Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Officer, whatever they call you, I'm coming after you, you coward! Welcome to Broken But Glorious. I'm Chris Laff and I'm joined by Ultimo Oliver Newman. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that one, Chris. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Unfortunately, no Nick this week. He's not well, so hopefully get well soon, Nick. He was going to be Tiger Mask Davey in my intro. Oh, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I still take Ultimo for that, I think. I was a huge Dragon fan. Brilliant wrestler. Uh, so how are you doing this evening, Ali? But... Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Chris. How about yourself? Good, a bit tired, a bit bored in work, so I don't, yeah, we're, we're good. Yeah, it's the I was, low before the storm type thing. Yeah, I was lagging last night when I was doing Positive in Pro Wrestling episode two. Mm. Hope the listeners enjoyed it, um, and yeah, uh, I, I don't know if it was my best work, but uh, I think I put that down to tiredness. Um, yeah, I enjoyed I it, I've just, I've just listened to it on the dog's walk. What do you think? That was good. Oh, okay, well as long as you enjoyed it and... And the readers, uh, sorry, the readers, that's me, the writer there, the listeners enjoyed it, <laughs> then uh, yeah, it's all good. Alright, so we've done loads, well, it seems like we've done loads of interviews since the Rumble review. Um, do you want to quickly discuss your one with um, Steve Valentino? Yeah, Steve Valentino and me go way back to uh, anti-watershed wrestling, uh, alternative wrestling world in uh, 2006-07. Uh, when he was a part of the crowd and I was part of the crowd, um, you know, writing, and we had a chat about how he come up, you know, found wrestling in the first place. He saw Sting when he lives in the UK, so we we kind of surmised that it might have been a dream, which is quite funny. Um, his inspiration was uh, Rockstar Spud, which is uh, uh, Drake Maverick in the WWE now, the GM. Of uh, 205 Live. Yeah, it's the yeah exactly. And um, he, he, his dream, like daydream of uh, wrestling AJ Styles at NWA Hammerlock uh, training camp because he thought that he would be involved in it. Yeah. And then being plucked out of the SmackDown Live crowd to wrestle AJ Styles. And then I, I laughed and, and joked with him because he's in really good physical shape uh, I said like beast mm. and then if he was going to have a match in WWE it would be him against Brock Lesnar <laughs> beast versus beast and uh, yeah so it's a fun list and it? it goes an hour and 18 minutes when we were given half an hour so you can tell that the, the interviewer myself and the interviewee Steve Valentina really enjoyed uh, you know the interview and we, we carried it on for as long as we could and it's uh it's probably, with no disrespect meant to any of the other interviewees, but I think it's the, the best interview in uh, the short history of Broken But Glorious Wrestling podcast. I've listened to it twice and I've really enjoyed it. Um, I did three interviews with three of the rising stars of the British scene. I did um, JJ Barker, Billy Norton and Joe Nelson. They all discussed how they got into wrestling, some of their biggest matches so far, and some of their dream, dream matches for the future. I thought they were all... They're all seventeen, and they're all all their favorite wrestler growing up was Rey Mysterio. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
It, it, it was fascinating, though, to be honest, Chris. I know they're all in their infancy uh, career-wise, but it's, once again, when we were talking off air about the length of shows and interviews and stuff, if you can get somebody hooked and, uh, you know, out and in in, like, 15 minutes, they're going to listen to it in their droves. Hmm. You know, so your interviews with, with JJ Barker, with Joe Nelson and Billy Norton... Um, probably will be some of the best interviews listener-wise, um, you know, when it's all said and done with Broken But Glorious Wrestling Podcast. So, great job. Yeah, I think the Joe Nelson one's just past 700 listens, so thank you for everyone who's listening That's to that. incredible. Yeah. really is. Nice. Um, have you been to any shows since our last review? Yeah, I went to Pro Wrestling Subjective on Sunday. The show was called No Fun Now. <laughs> oh, I want to see Damien Dunn live. I've never seen him live. Yeah, I have to say it that way, otherwise Steve Valentino won't, you know, will give me abuse. So um, hopefully I've nailed it this time, Steve. And yeah, just quickly going through the results of the show, because I talked about um, the positive elements of the show on the Positive in Pro Wrestling episode 2, which was recorded last night and is available on the Broken Book Glorious Wrestling podcast Twitter page, and it's available on my page as well, uh, twitter.com forward slash Brummyall. So, Pro Wrestling Subjective, the first match was Harry Cruz versus Disciple with Judge. I was impressed with Cruz's technical ability and his strength. Uh, Disciples no nonsense, so it's mm. always fun to watch for me being like a technical uh, wrestling fan. Judge and the uh, Cruz picks up the win. Judge and Disciple attack afterwards, so um, that feud seems to have just got started. Really, the next match was the Hunter Brothers, Lee and Jim, friends of the show, I'm sure, and the usual suspects who are. Uh, a team that's picking up steam in the Midlands wrestling scene. And, you know, this is their debut on Pro Wrestling's objective. And they were impressive. And the Hunters, you know, they just go to show why they're one of the best teams in Europe. They've been together, obviously, as a tag team for a long time. But they are so seamless in the ring. Um, the usual suspects won this one. It was a low blow by Nate. And the suspects were able to pick up the win, which is a, a huge win against a, you know, a very good team. And it'll be interesting to see. That's probably the start of that feud as well, in all honesty, because of the low blow. The third match was uh, the captain, Steve Valentino, versus Elliot Jordan experience. This was back and forth. Uh, either man could win it. And then, you know, either this is by design or a mistake. I'm not quite sure because I didn't get to ask the question after the show. Well, Valentino won, and his foot was on the rope. Mm. And obviously, being a, a hero to the fans, this is a, a very shady move. So I'm not sure what that means for uh, Steve Valentino and Elliot Jordan, but they had talked on the Steve Valentino interview about how he would clash with, well, sorry, they'd clash with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, this is uh, if this is the first chapter of the book. Then it was, you know, it was a good match to get it started. Um, advertised Sean O'Shea was not on the show, so it was Athena Fury versus Barbie Rogue to become the first ever pro wrestling subjective women's champion. There's a mysterious woman interjects and she kind of goes around the ringside. Uh, found out later this is uh, Shax, and this was her debut as well. 
Athena Fury wins with an electric chair drop because Shaxx, um, she, what's the word, um, distracts, <laughs> Shaxx distracts uh, Barbie <laughs> Rogue and uh, Fury takes advantage with an electric chair drop to become the first ever pro wrestling subjective women's champion. Then there was an intermission and I was able to sell my 82nd copy of my uh, fans' perspective books, oh, and that cool. was that's yeah, that's pretty cool. That went to uh, Tom Baker, a Brit, Brit wrestle fan on our Twitter. He uh, runs the YouTube channel Talking Wrestling, and he's had uh, Steve Valentino on there, and he's going to have an interview with Disciple coming this Friday. Mm. And he interviewed his uh, favourite wrestler, Millie McKenzie, on the first show as well. Yeah. So big shout out to Tom. Yeah, Disciple um, follows us on Twitter, so you could ask him. Oh yeah, uh, Altalon is the the mass Mexican wrestler, and he had an open challenge. It was answered by two dudes. Um, I didn't quite get the names, but they they really took it to him. But Altalon is just a beast. Uh, usual suspects attacked Talon because Chris Drew was trying to get uh, Talon to use a wrench, and he refused to do so. Uh, and then Chris Drew turn, turns on Altalon and uh, unites with the usual suspects, and that's a pretty good unit of a, of a team, a stable, a group. Chris Drew's amazing on the microphone, and the usual suspects are, you know, brutish guys who can can move and can attack and can fight and can brawl. So it'd be really interesting to see where they go from there. Chief Deputy Dunn, who the show was named after. Uh, versus TJ Sky, both men debuting on the Thunder card. Uh, really good back and forth match. It was my match of the night up until that point. Done one with a uh, springboard co- uh, code breaker in the, the match of the night so far. It was uh, a really good, strong debut for both men. And I hope to see them both back at the next show. Um, yeah. And then the main events has been. I think it's been about 11 months in the making. Mm. Uh, Judge has been chasing the outlaw Jesse Jones's Pro Wrestling Subjective Heavyweight Championship for that long. And they finally met in a... Well, they've met in other matches and stuff, but they finally met in, like I guess, the finale, the no-DQ Dudley Street fight. And uh, to start off the match, Judge spat in Jones's face, which just riled up the champion even more. And... When it was all said and done, this was an unbelievable match. Uh, I said on Positive in Pro Wrestling, episode two last night, that this was a, a street fight with, you know, with, with the PG, you know, that had to be what it was. And it was good for the kids, good for the families. No, you know, no need to take them home early or anything like that. It was an unbelievable match and it ended with a German suplex on chairs. Ooh. And a, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And a rainmaker by Jones. But me and uh, Tom, as I was talking about earlier, we were sitting together and we were watching it. And basically, the disciple comes out and we're thinking, okay, that's going to be the, the element that allows the judge to take the title. So we're thinking, okay, well, Judge is going to win this now. And then to see Jesse Jones retain out of nowhere uh, in the finest pro wrestling subjective match in history. Uh, I've only been to a number of shows, but I can't think of a match that's been better than this. Uh, just an outstanding way to, to end the night, really. A good card with a, a, an out-of-this-world main event. Um, and, yeah, 
Fantastic. And you went to a show yourself, didn't you, Chris? Yeah, me and my son went to Wrestle Island in Birkenhead. Oh, that's a, that's a very fun show. So, uh, it opened with the Merseyside Murder Squad versus Friends of the Show, Sugar Duncanson, and Defiant Wrestling star Imar um, Jordan. Polar opposite teams. Murder Squad just put there to fight. It was Sugar and Spice, as they call themselves, were just there for fun. I think their entrance was longer than the actual match. They were just dancing the whole time. Since he's been in the UK, Sugar Duncanson's kind of adopted the. Um, Sugar, da 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 Honey, honey, that one, as his, his name goes. You are our Dunkington. That's <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, so, um, oh, it was a fun match. It was a lot, lots of dancing and, yeah, but the Merseyside squad won the match in the end when Dan Evans pinned Sugar, Sugar, Sugar D. But then, after the match, there's more dancing. <laughs> then another... another Mentioned your Danny Devine, who was unfortunately had to retire mm. uh, against uh, party time Liam Perry yeah. from a, a previous Pro Wrestling Subjective show when they were like dancing and, and stuff, and they had the conga, much like you've you've said with Wrestle Island then, um, and they were like dancing to uh, all, all ranges of songs. I think one of them was fun, actually, Dirty Dancing, and the fans were in hysterics, as you can imagine. <laughs> mm. Another friend of the show, Billy Norton, had an open challenge, which was answered by the leader of the Rejected. Um, I think same, it's it's Demon with a I on the end, so it's Dean Money. He never really said his name out loud. <laughs> so, but, uh, turned into pretty much a, a, a lumberjack match, because the rest of the Rejected came out, so there's another three members, and then the Student Union, another three members of them, who's, who Billy's been feuding with for over a year, surrounded the ring. So most of the match was Billy just taking the beat, and then when Billy... Finally made the comeback and the shit the fans were all behind because he's such a fan favourite. So Wrestle Island, um, Demani just picked up a chair and started hitting him until he fell out the ring, and then all six people outside the ring started kicking him, kicking him in. <laughs> and then um, Team Mad made the save, um, and then there was a Fatal Four Women's match. It was Jade versus Lucy Sky versus Natalia Wild versus Alexa Falcon. Fortunately, I missed most of this match because Joel wanted to go to the merch table. But um, Alexi Falcon won won the match again. She pins Lucy Sky um, at the merch table. That's where I met Sugar D, Sugar D, and we had a chat, and, and we took photos. And he said he'll come on the show again in March when he's finished his UK tour. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic! He was a brilliant interview first time round. Yeah, really cool guy. Yeah, I got a, I got one of his t-shirts. It was the you, you, it looks like if you're from a distance, you'll think it's a New Japan t-shirt. But as you go in, it's Sugar D's face. In a new, new Japan style. Cool. Yeah, I saw that. It's a wicked t-shirt. <laughs> um, me and Joel also got photos of Amir Jordan, and then Joel bought a Matt Seidel figure and a rejected mask. Uh, next up was pretty epic triple threat match between Martin Kirby, El Guerrero, and uh, Terry Izzett. Um, Terry Izzett reminds me of an early Miz, just a really cocky heel. Thinks everyone should love him. One doesn't know why, no, but the crowd boos him. We should, we should all love him, but... <laughs> In his head. It was a very fun match. There's a lot of comedy in it. Um, halfway through, Izzy got on the match and said, This is meant to be a triple threat, not a, a handicap match, because most of the match they were just kicking him in. <laughs> so, but in the end, um, Terry Izzy got the win after El Guerrero tornado DDT'd Kirby, and then Izzy threw El Guerrero out the ring and stole the pin. <laughs> um, and we had. 
Pitbull versus Muscle Malone. It's just two bruisers beating the crap out of each other for five minutes. Just fun match to watch. Um, there must have been. I missed the last show, so there must. So this must have been set up on the last show. I, mean, I missed it, unfortunately. After the match, Pitbull. Big hairy ginger bastard on the show. No, he was on a poor Jen show this weekend. Oh man, I love that name. <laughs> well, I actually found out what his real name is, but I can't think what it is. That's something. Yeah, his real name, the one on his birth certificate, is Big Hairy Ginger Bastard. <laughs> it is. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> Right, and then after the match, Pitbull announced that the owner of the company has let him be number 30 in the Rumble. Um, Birkenhead's own Sean Only won the 30-man uh, over the top rope battle royal. Um, he will now face Drew Parker for the Ireland Championship on 29th of April. Um, the Iron Man was actually a woman of this Rumble. It was Jade who entered number two and lasted over 50 minutes in the Rumble. 50 uh, minutes? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she eliminated... That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, number one was Drill. She eliminated Drill, who we're interviewing next week. She made it to the final four. She was, like, the fourth to last. Nice segue there, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy... I look forward to doing Drill. I've not, I've not interviewed a proper hail before. So. Yeah. She said, take a proper dig. Oh. She slapped <laughs> him, and he just decked her, and she was out. And then number Jeez. three came out. So, um, Friend, yeah, another friend of the show, Joe, uh, Joe Nelson. He was also in this show, in this match. He he looked really good. Not smaller than I thought he was going to be. No. He was really good. Um, Martin, a few other highlights. Uh, Martin Kirby did the Bushwhacker Luke spot from 1991, where he comes out. He did the full-on <laughs> Bushwhacker walk, walk straight into the ring, got thrown straight out, the Bushwhacker back out. Um, <laughs> and then um, when Sugar Dunkerton came out, he... Started a conga, they've got all the crowd, all the refs, all the face wrestlers. Just did a conga to Gloria Restefan. I can't remember what song it is. But you, <laughs> you can see the video up at top on our Twitter, and the tweet's been liked by Matt Riddle. So. Oh, the King of Bros? Mm-hmm. So, Have oh. you seen the, the progress instruction of him and David Starr? No. Oh, Chris, mate, you have to see it. It's fantastic. It's on my Twitter somewhere. I'll have a look at yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's, just, it's, it's amazing family show and I can't wait to the one in April yo everybody in the UK it's your boy Shook D I'm coming at you live in living color surround sound letting you know that there hasn't been this much mayhem since the Boston Tea Party and I'm just letting you know that you're listening to Broken But Glorious today's going to be a fun show we're going to be announced the top 10 Cruiserweight Champions as voted for by our Twitter followers are you excited Oliver to find out Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the cruiserweights is the reason why, you know, I switched over to WCW in the 90s. Um, you know, I know, I know it was like the mid-card and the lower-card and stuff, but the matches that Kidman, Mysterio, Psychosis, I mean, I don't know if you remember this name or anything, but Blitz, mm. Blitzkrieg was one of the wrestlers. Um, I saw an amazing match with Supercalo and Rey Mysterio from way back when. Uh, the cruiserweights blew my mind, um, you know, it, and uh, probably the reason why some of the, you know, so-called smaller wrestlers are in the business. You know, mm. Daniel Bryan talked about the influence of uh, Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio. So, uh, yeah, uh, cruiserweights have, have always been um, exactly what I was looking for, a wrestling show, high-flying or technical, I don't mind. They, they really bring the... Yeah, game to 
to a wrestling ring and it's fantastic to watch and always has been. But before we get into the top ten, um, since our last show there has been a few big changes on 205 Live. So it's been reported that Vince has handed over the reins to Triple H, and which could explain the upturn in quality in the last two weeks. So firstly, Rockstar Spud has been appointed 205 Live GM. Your thoughts first on Drake Maverick, the name. <laughs> the name of the game. <laughs> Um, sorry, that, that's the kind of thing that Nick does. Yeah, you're here in spirit, Nick. Um, yeah, uh, the, the name, uh, it, it's, you know, the, the it's name. It's a bad wrestle generator name. <laughs> yeah, you, you said that, didn't you, at the time. Um, the, the name's not, not the be or an end all, is it really? You know what I mean? Mm. Dolph Ziggler, back in the day, was like, why Dolph Ziggler? But, mm. I understand yeah, why they do it, because they say... If you change your name, then you can keep your pro wrestling T-store. That's why. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was the, the case. But, you know, like I said, Dolph Ziggler back in the day, you wouldn't think, oh, he's going to be a world champion based on his name. But based on his talent, he has been. Mm. So, um, Drake Maverick, the name isn't going to hold him back, really. We no. know uh, Rockstar Spud and the, the oh, Chiefs. The whole staff. crowd, because that's what they cheered. That's what they chanted the whole time. <laughs> Say that again, Chris, sorry. The whole crowd is new, it was Rockstar Spokes, that's what they shared, they sh- chanted at him the whole night. Yeah, exactly, so, um, much like Husky Harris becoming Bray Wyatt and stuff, it's, you know, it's it's not about the name, um, it's about the action, really, it's not about the, the, the talking, it's about the action, and, and since he's been general manager of 205 Live, there's definitely been an upturn, it has become must-watch. The in-ring action has been fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, uh, before going on to anything else, to answer your question, I don't think the name matters. What do you think? It's so American. <laughs> I just don't like it. I don't. I'm sure it'll grow on me. I, just, I don't. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah. I'm so used to just, it's going to be called Spud forever. So. Yeah. He also announced the 16-man tournament to crown the new Cruiserweight champion. Said it's going to be a WrestleMania. Do you think it'll be at WrestleMania or on the pre-show of WrestleMania? It's got to be on the main show of WrestleMania, hasn't mm. it? They can't do this and then put it on the pre-show. Mm. I'm um, sceptical. It's a fantastic idea to, to make a tournament because, uh, you know, obviously we'll get into this and stuff, but it is just like the Cruiserweight Classic. The presentation, everything about it, it screams Cruiserweight Classic and that's why the fans at the time in 2016 was so behind the cruiserweights, mm. and it was only when that element seemed to have faded into the background that people turned on the on the show, the roster, and you know the, the talent and the management. So if you had a kept it cruiserweight classic in ring, you, you wouldn't have had the, you wouldn't have had a problem on 205 Live. But they tried to make it Raw and SmackDown, and it, and it shouldn't be. It should be a separate entity, much like NXT. Yeah, the first round so far has been um, TJP defeated um, Tyler Bates, and Cedric Alexander defeated Pam Matalik, Kalisto defeated El, defeated El Dorado, uh, Lance, uh, Lince, Dorado. Lince Dorado, and Roderick Strong defeated Adomi Atami. That was a bit of a shock, I thought, that one. So, yeah, uh, I had the down as a shock last night on the Positive in Pro Wrestling podcast. Hmm. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on them bringing in non-205 lives? Stars like Strong and Bates into the tournament. It's a great idea because Kota Ibushi was never signed, was he? And Zack Zabe Jr. wasn't uh, for the Cruiserweight Classic, so um, it it makes it like wow, 
who are they going to bring in next? Mm. And then, and when we've talked, like we've talked about off, off uh, air and stuff of possibly uh, Leo Rush, and I've even said, you know, if you're going to do that, bring Ricochet into it. Um, yeah, just just give give the fans what they want. They want fast paced. In-ring action, high-flying, technical wrestling, submission wrestling, everything rolled into one because that's what cruiserweights can do. They've been doing it since the 90s. They can still do it in 2018 because it's a new batch. Mm. And just let them go. That's that's all you need to do. Yeah, tonight's show is um, Zazawa versus Mark Andrews, another debut. And then um, Tony Nice versus probably his best friend, Drew Gulak, which would be... But they've been told to go serious, so it could yeah. be interesting if they... I think if they, they are serious and they're given time, they'll tear the house down. Mm. Yeah. I'd be good if they got rid of the gimmick, because I like the counting of the eights. Um, oh, the, yeah. And I, I, I do like the, pres- the pres- presentations and stuff. But. I, I think the best way to go for this this match in particular is go serious, or yeah. start off comedy and then, um, you know, c- comedic elements, sorry, not necessarily comedy, but start off comedic elements and then when they start throwing hands, then it gets serious. Yeah. And then they'll tear it up. Alright, so one more quick story before we get into the top ten. Um, Platina Wrestling recently reported WWE are planning to air a special Latin, Latin American tournament on the network this summer. Um, it's reported that wrestlers from the countries like Chile, Peru, Argentina, Mexico, Brazil, Puerto Rico will all be eligible to enter the tournament. And there's a good chance we'll see some old-fashioned Old favourites wheeled out for the early rounds. A few rumours going round Rey Mysterio, um, Savio Vega, Super Crazy, um, to Guerrero, um, Chavo Guerrero Jr. and Calito. Calisto? Calito? Calito, yeah. Calito. Um, he spits in the face of anybody who's not cool. <laughs> That's what we, we met him. He came, he came uh, before Wrestle Island was a thing, there was a shop called Mystery Island. And he used to just, Is that still there? No. Oh, wow. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, he used to just bring in wrestlers for like meet and greets and stuff, and we met Carlito there. So. Was he cool? He was cool. That's, he, that's good. Then. My son was really excited to meet him, got all these questions out, and then froze off as soon as he met him. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not cool. Yeah. So I, I think this if this tournament happens, the, I think it will do. They just haven't announced it officially yet because William Regal's been a bit cagey, saying it's, it's in possibly in the works, but it hasn't been finalised. I think it'll be good for someone like the underutilized Latin talent like Kalisto could bring in Sankara, Grand Metallic, Lance Dorado, just to name a few, and then possibly NXT is Caesar Bardoni. Yes, Caesar Bardoni. That's that's when he becomes the the future star, isn't it? Yeah. By winning this tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, yeah, bring bring a couple of legends, a couple of people from your two or five live who were legends in the cruiserweight last year, not last yeah. year, before. Yeah, a year before, and I wrote about it in my book, Fans Perspective 2016, what a year to be a fan of WWE. Available on paperback and Kindle now. <laughs> the links will, be in the, links will be in the description below the podcast. Cheers, Chris. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've been quite interested in this one. I don't know where it's, it'll be held. I'm guessing it'll be in Mexico. No, okay, I, I'd, I'd hold it in the, the NXT uh, fall sale again. Hmm, possibly. Yeah, I, I do it in full sale, and then maybe the the uh, the final, either on a pay per view, which would probably be a better idea, or in like a Mexico or Brazil or something. Interesting if you did something similar to the WCPW World Cup, where they had um, qualifiers in each country 
Yeah. Well, with with the uh, Cruiserweight Classic, they had qualifiers in uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling. Mm. Um, I think Progress was another one. There was there was a couple in America as well. So they had them, they had them like based over all over the place kind of thing. So and it was amazing to see like Progress and Revolution Pro Wrestling on WB's YouTube channel. This is the UK's youngest pro wrestler, Joe Nelson, and you are listening to the Broken But Glorious podcast. Right, so put, again, before we get into the top ten, quick history on the Cruiserweight Championship. So, in October 1991, um, Brian Pillman defeated Richard Morton in the final tournament finals, becoming their first WCW light heavyweight champion. Um, WCW did not recognise the light heavyweight reigns as part of their Cruiserweight history, but then... WWE have revised it, so they do now. Um, the title changed hand five times before Brad Armstrong vacated the title due to a knee injury in September 1992. The tournament was to decide a new champion was scheduled, but didn't occur until when, do you think? Super Bowl. Yeah, so it was vacated in 1992. <laughs> the, tourna- okay. the tournament's name a new champion happened in March 1996. <laughs> Okay. Well, they had to get ready for it, didn't they, Chris? <laughs> yeah, and it was won by Sinju- Sinjuro? Sinjuro Atani. Atani, I'm not, I don't know much about him. No, uh, Jap- Japanese wrestling uh, junior heavyweight legend. Yeah. Yeah. He defeated Wild Pegasus, who's known to the, the world as... Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit, yeah. I, I wondered how long it would take us to, to mention that name on the podcast. <laughs> Half these questions I wrote for Nick. <laughs> like, who, who, so who's Wild Pegasus, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we miss you, Nick. Come back soon. So he, he defeated Chris Benoit in the tournament finals at him and the first ever WCW Cruiserweight Champion. This was this happened at a New Japan event. Um, the title changed hands 49 times between March 96 and March 2001 when WWE bought WCW. Billy Kidman was the final WCW wrestler to hold the title before it was renamed and it was exclusively WWF. In, <laughs> in 1992. Who did he beat at Invasion? Um, Question for you, Chris. Is it X Pac? I can't remember. Is it X Pac? Uh, yeah, I, I think it might be. I, I was thinking Tajiri. It could, have been, it could have been Tajiri. I haven't got it written down. Yeah, so. it's, it, it's one or the other. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it out to the fans. Who did Billy Kidman? <laughs> Then in 19, no, 2007, Hornswoggle surprisingly won a six-pack challenge, pinning Jamie Notable to win the title. Um, a week later, a couple of weeks later, Vicky Guerrero was stripped him with the title. And then in March 2008, the Cruiserweight title was considered abandoned when the WWE put it in the inactive titles on their website until TJ Perkins was awarded the title when he won the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. Uh, I gotta say at this point though, Chris, um, I'm watching 2008, uh, you know, for research for my my upcoming book about WrestleMania 24, mm-hmm. and I'm loving the Jamie Noble trying to get a girl storyline, and the fact that he's like, uh, there's like big wrestlers, and he's trying to prove himself against like Batista and Kane and stuff uh, to yeah. try and get the, the love and affection of women like Layla. He's he's so underrated as a character. I, I, thought, I, thought, I didn't start watching it again until 2010, so I kind of missed the whole Jamie Noble 
Well, you've got the network, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it so was amazing. I mean, one of the best experiences I had from uh, WrestleMania 24, just to give the fans a little bit of, uh, you know, an inkling to what the book's going to be about. Mm. Jamie Noble used other people's backs to stop himself from being eliminated from the pre-match, uh, pre-show Battle Raw. Yeah. So it was, it was fantastic, that, that little element of not wanting to be eliminated. He got eliminated in the end, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> in that moment, he was he was fantastic. And then on the, the minor side, uh, for reasons unknown to me, uh, my favourite modern-day wrestler, Paul London, was nowhere on the show, not no. even in the pre-show Battle Raw. Oh. I know, I was good. He was on Raw the next night, so, yeah. you know, yeah. I was there too. Alright, so a few, a few, just a few stats. So the most reigns as James, James That's what my son calls himself on wrestling, on wrestling games. James Mysterio. Rey Mysterio with eight, eight reigns. Sorry, never played it. <laughs> oh, it's quality. It's a management wrestling game for us, made right. by Adam Roiland. Uh, uh, longest single reign as Gregory Helms, three hundred and eighty-five days. Longest combined reign, Gregory Helms, 532 days. And then the shortest reign was Jimmy Wang Yang, a few minutes, it says here. It doesn't say exactly. Jimmy Wang Yang's boy! <laughs> Sup guys, it is the leader of the Billy Club, Billy Norn, and you are listening to Broken Book Glorious. Alright, so we get to the top 10, so number 10. Voted for by our Twitter followers, should we do it? I'll, I'll tell you how we came up with the top 10. So, <coughs> just a bit of background. Um, how we came up with our top 20 um, I came up, I did some very complicated maths which we can't go into to come up with a top 20 no, champions that'll take us to the hour and 18 minutes that <laughs> me and Steve Valentino had for the interview yeah so using some very complicated maths I whittled down every Cruiserweight champion to a top 20 which then I put to the our Twitter followers to whittle down to the top 10 by voting in a series of polls which we called Fatal 4 Ways over 5 days so each wrestler had 5 Three or four ways, and then they'll see that each day to what due to number of reigns, total combined reigns, longest reign. Um, the first day was just a random draw, and the last day was average reign. So they'll see this was that I awarded three points for a winner and one point for coming second. And then, yeah, we've got our top ten. So, number Imagine ten. if these uh, four way matches actually had have took place, though, Chris. Oh, some of them would have been amazing, yeah. Uh, they would have been incredible, wouldn't they? Yeah, um. We did cheat a little bit because the artist and Nunzio got into the top twenty. But I thought psycho- and they weren't included, Chris. Wow, that's. But that's I thought tough. I thought psychosis and um, Justin Thunderliger had more of an influence on cruiserweight wrestling <laughs> than the, arti- oh, the artist. The artist going to be absolutely <laughs> so angry of you right now. But I'll be clear in case somebody somehow does the same maths as me and comes with a different top twenty. That's what we did. So. <laughs> I voted in it, so I, I, I remember how it went. Well, I don't know how the, how we, how the final uh, top ten was, and that's going to be a surprise to me when you uh, release the information in moments to come. Yep, but so. I, mean, I voted as we, we went along until the, the fifth uh, and final voting stage. Yeah. yeah. All right, so in, in, in number ten was um, Trevor Guerrero, who was a six-time champion. Um, holding the title for a combined three, uh, 431 days. His longest reign was 154 days. Wow. So, your memories of Chavo? Um, I'm not 
not sure if it was what the crew were talking and stuff, but just the peppy stuff in uh, WCW and uh, you know Eddie and Chavo's feud, and him having to shave his head. I think he shaved his head. Um, from a cruiserweight perspective, he was one of the uh, everyone was a high flyer, and he was yeah. like the technical wrestler. Mm. So that drew you know, that drew me to him. Um, and yeah, just a really, really good wrestler uh, can do can do it all in the ring, really. And uh, yeah, the cruiserweight title uh, when he was with um, his father, Chavo Guerrero Senior, he really picked it up a notch as the cruiserweight champion. That was that was amazing viewing, really. He was brilliant. Yeah, so he actually won his first title under the name Lieutenant Loco when he was a member of the Misfits in Action. <laughs> Yeah, Misfits in Action, yeah, <laughs> WCW. Yeah. And G.I. Bro, do you know who that was? Nails, yeah, Booker T. You're not allowed to mention so, that around uh, him. <laughs> um, he famously lost it to Jacqueline before winning it back 12 days before losing it to his dad. Yeah, I remember to yeah. Jacqueline winning the title. That's another instance of uh, you know gender barriers being broken down, isn't it? And... Uh, a really big reason why she was in the Hall of Fame uh, mm. last year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think she was, wasn't she? Uh, whenever, so, whenever it was in Texas, was that last year? Uh, Texas. So Dallas, was that No, that, that was 2016, then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, so, uh, you can read about that WrestleMania in my book. <laughs> I'm not going to say the title and where you can get it again. You know that stuff already. Right, so, I, thought, I think Chavo is a, just a, a damn fine cruiserweight title matches over the years particularly as matches with Rey Mysterio were particularly good um, I, I, I think I remember a great match with uh, no bias involved here but uh, my modern favourite wrestler Paul London yeah. I think he had a, a fantastic match with him um, I want to say like a judgement day or something mm. uh, I, I can't pinpoint the, the actual show and stuff but I remember I had a great match with him and I remember Kidman and Chavo attacked London, and then for all the people who said that you know um, his talking wasn't really up to par, he did a bloody promo um, interview that was like uh, like only released on WWE.com or whatever, yeah. and hmm. and and that was that was proof to me that he could. And obviously from stuff he did in Ring of Honor when he was uh, campaigning to be AJ Styles, his tag team partner way back when. Uh, Paul London could talk, he just wasn't given the opportunity to do so, really. And it was disappointing because that really halted his progress in WWE. Right, so, number nine has a unique claim to his name. He held the WWE title, or WWF title, 18 years before he made his WWE debut. Wow. So, it's um, Justin Fundalaga. Uh, okay. So, um, so, when. The man with the greatest, one of the greatest uh, theme songs in. Pro wrestling history. Mm. <laughs> it, it, it's worth watching any Justin von der Liger match just to hear the theme song. And then when you add into it, he's you know a legend and fantastic in the ring. It's uh, you know amazing. Yeah, I don't think he got voted on this list for his time with the title because he only held it once for 66 days. But just as a cruiserweight legend, I think he got into this list. So, yeah, so. I, I think one of our uh, our listeners. Uh, commented on it and said that he was on loan from New Japan uh, Pro Wrestling to uh, World Championship Wrestling for a short amount of time, mm. and that's why his cruiserweight title uh, reign 
wasn't that long because he went back to New Japan. Yeah, so just going back to how he, if somebody's wondering how he held a WWE title 18 years before making a WWE debut, um, when when he won the J Crown in 1997, the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship was put also that unified title. So, oh, okay. So he won that in 1997, but it didn't make his debut until he faced Tyler Breeze at NXT Takeover Brooklyn in 2015. Yeah. yeah. Very so, good. And who who else? What other promotion has uh, Justin Funderlager uh, been a part of? American promotion. TNA. Yeah, Impact Wrestling. He was on a pre-show at Bound for Glory against the Samoan Submission Machine. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, as I said, he's only held the title once six, six days, so he's an extremely accomplished wrestler from Japan throughout his career. He's held over 20 titles in New Japan Pro Wrestling, as well as a swirl of other titles around the world. And we should mention at this point, Chris, he's going to go up against Rey Mysterio in a first-time ever match oh, at uh, New next. Japan in you got Long my, Beach. you got a copy of my thing, that's the next thing on my list. <laughs> yeah, so no, I, I just keep up wrestling. <laughs> Chris, it's, it's all part of the job. Yeah, so uh, he's currently 53 years old. Wow. But because of his costume, as long as he keeps in decent shape, you can't really tell how old he is. So I know he's a bit slower than he used to be, but he's still, he can still get around the ring as well as any. Well, you, you, you go up to him and say he's a bit slower than he used to be and see if he gives you a nice vicious palm strike to the face. <laughs> That's quite obvious if you go watch 1996, Justin Liger, and then you watch now, Justin Liger, he's still as good, but he's not as quick. So. Uh, still, palm strikes. Right, so number eight was an X Pac or six, who was a two-time champion holding the titles for a combined 196 days, his longest reign being 125 days. So, um, he's a one-time champion in both WWE, WCW for the title. Um, X Pac is one, is one, the one and only man to hold both the light heavyweight and cruiserweight titles at the same time. Yeah, I mean. Um... Obviously, he you know he was critical in uh, you know early WWF days, uh, you know wrestling against Razor Ramon, Ramon, sorry, and that that <laughs> debut and that upset is one of the biggest moments in in, in Raw history and probably in pro wrestling history. Um, you know, from a light heavyweight perspective, I think he held that title during his uh, group with. Uh, just incredible, and I want to say Albert A Train, yeah. uh, X Factor, X Factor, the best, yeah. worst theme Factor tune of all, all time. Tell again, sorry, Chris. The best worst theme tune of all time. Yeah, and uh, from the the WCW light heavy, uh, sorry, WCW cruiserweight perspective, I'm going to take a, a little bit of a stab in the dark, but wasn't that. Um, him against Eddie Guerrero in a ladder match at uh, NWO sold out. In no, that was that was that was, for, that, that was for the US title. Pretty oh, sure. okay. So his his reign as of this moment in time, I'm not entirely familiar with, but um, his his uh, impact on cruiserweight wrestling, going back to his matches as a Lightning Kid against Jerry Lynn mm. from from way back when. He's a, a pioneer of cruiserweight wrestling, isn't he? Yeah. So the reigns, um, you know, are not common to me at this moment in time. But he's 
his status and what he's done for professional wrestling and light heavyweights and cruiserweights is, you know, it's there for all to see, really. Yeah, he also went on to win tag team titles with multiple and partners the European and European title. title. Yeah. Right, number seven was the Gregory Helms stroke, the Hurricane. So yeah. And Sugar Shane. And Shane, as Shane, yeah. No, yeah, Sugar Shane as well from uh, the later days of WCW. I think he wants to forget about free count. <laughs> I really enjoyed them. I, I must be in the minority, but I thought they were wicked, especially when Tangabo uh, was involved. No. That, that was that was really fun. I know it's like stupid throwaway stuff, but it was still still a lot of fun. Uh, but in, in terms of um, Gregory and, and Sugar Shane Helms and stuff for, for the cruiserweight division in uh, WCW when it got the reboot. Uh, he was, you know, a critical part of the cruiserweight kind of revolution in WCW uh, with Free Count against the Young Dragons. I remember matches between them, uh, and then he was the the last cruiserweight champion, wasn't he? Um, in in WCW, and obviously lost it to Kidman in uh, WWF at the time. Mm. The Hurricane character, uh, you know, he, he's got a pinfall picture of The Rock. I know it was by Steve Austin uh, distracting The Rock, but that's amazing. And and the little story they built up there was incredible. Um, and yeah, just a... And, and then when he was Gregory Helms and he held the Cruiserweight title um, in like mid uh, noughties of uh, WWE, um, yeah, he, he had a really good reign. And I, I, you know, mixed it up with, with different people, and had to come out of like I think uh, six pack challenges and, and things of that nature. He, he might have had a match against Paul London that I remember uh, thinking I saw, but as of this moment at seven minutes past eleven at night, it's it's a little bit foggy. Um, yeah, just just everything that he's done, the Mighty Molly stuff with with Molly Holly as well, and yeah, just. Once again, a little pioneering in cruiserweight wrestling that took that and used it as a springboard to launch his career, which is what 205 Live should be doing nowadays. Yeah, at the beginning of his um, 365-day reign, he defended his title on, on pay-per-view against everyone from Jimmy Wang Yang to Super Crazy, but he also had a couple of matches like Champions vs. Champions against World Heavyweight Champion Rey Mysterio and then US title um, Chris Benoit. Yeah, well, like I said, he can mix it up with anyone. He's got a fantastic character, uh, cocky as Gregory and Sugar Shane. Mm. Um, I'd love him to be one of the guys who's in this tournament. Maybe a Sorry? A surprise entrance in this tournament could be fun. In the 205 yeah. Live. Yeah. Um, Poppy got at the Royal Rumble, it's amazing. Even though it was only in for seconds. But... Oh, well, absolutely. And then obviously the Hurricane is from a character perspective and the comedy aspect of it. Remember when he was the reporter and he was the Hurricane? Mm. Two separate characters. That that was fantastic <laughs> as well. The feud he had with Jamie Noble has just come to me, uh, which was brilliant, including a great match at one of the pay-per-views. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's like a June pay-per-view. It might have been King of the Ring 2002, I'd, I'd go with. Um, yeah, so used it as a springboard and, and like I said with 205 Live just going back to a second uh, obviously Neville's kind of in limbo at the moment but he really should have gone from cruiserweight title 
lost the cruiserweight title and ended up on Raw and SmackDown going for the US or the Intercontinental title. And I hope that's what happens when it's all said and done with his, uh, the current dispute that's going on. Right, and then number six was Dean Malenko, who's a four-time champion, holding the title for combined 188 days, as long as reign was 67 days. Um, he kind of made a big start in ECW. He captured the TV title and the tag team titles before he was noticed by WCW and brought in as part of the um, Cruiserweight title. Um, he remains one of the best all-round in-ring technicians in fans' minds. And he's oh, absolutely. I mean, his matches with Eddie Guerrero in ECW have gone down in history as basically the blueprint of what a great wrestling match should be. Uh, I remember uh, Backlash 2000, 2000, I, I believe, his match with Scotty Tuhati was mm. out of this world. That was the only opportunity he really had in, in uh, WWF at the time. Um, and and, he, and they, they almost stole the show, in all honesty. Um, I remember it, it being as such. Was it 2001? Sorry. Because uh, Rock Austin was the Backlash main event, wasn't it? So... Um, yeah, Scotty Tuart against Dean Malenko for the WWF light heavyweight title. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Especially the ending of the match was was uh, quite quite crazy, really. Yeah, he was unlike other cruiserweights because he wasn't about high risk spots or theatrics. He was the man of a thousand one holds. And, and then he met Chris Jericho, who was yeah. the man of a thousand and five holds. And yeah, obviously there. Also was um, number one in the PW500 in 1997. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Right, number five was Tajiri. He, he won the title three times, holding it for combined 283 time, days. Um, longest reign was 162. So before he got to WWE, he was part of ECW and he won the television title, television and tag team titles. He's got a couple of firsts. So he was a he was recognised as the first WWF Cruiserweight title. And he had an amazing series of matches against Super Crazy in ECW. Yeah. And he was the, the tag team champion with Mikey Ripbreck and they were managed by the Sinister Minister, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. He looked, cra- <laughs> he looked so crazy in WCW. Yeah. No, ECW, sorry. Um, yeah. So and then when the World Wildlife Fund defeated Vince McMahon in court for the, the initials WWF, this year he came recognised as the first WWE Cruiserweight Champion. His final reign came in September 2003 when he defeated Trey Mysterio. Um, throughout his career, he would, he would win a total of eight championships, including tag team gold with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. Um, he left the company in 2005 to go to Japan and can be seen in Smash promotions. Um, he made a return in the Cruiserweight Classic in 2016 
can't remember who he beat. He, he got to the second round, I think. Uh, was it Damien Slayer, maybe? Yeah, he, he definitely won his first round match. And then he, yeah, he won his first round match. And he was actually part of the 205 Live roster until he got injured. And yeah. then they had to let him go oh. because of his age as much as anything else. Do you not win the, the, the tag team titles with William Regal? Yeah, William Regal and Eddie Guerrero. Oh, OK, because you said... You said William... No, you didn't say William Ring. You said Eddie Guerrero and... Oh, OK. No. <laughs> Must have missed that part. <laughs> All right, it's number four. There's Neville, two-time champion. Um, combined 232 days. Longest reign, 197. Should have only been at one time. He shouldn't have lost it to the Zawa. There's no point. Mm. Um, so he defeated... Just, it was just fake news, wasn't it, really? Yeah, he defeated, yeah, he, 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 he defeated Rich Swan to capture the Cruiserweight Championship for the first time. Um, then he defeated Jack Gallagher at Fastlane in Austin Aries at WrestleMania. And then lost it to Enzo Amore. And he... Hmm. <laughs> Me and Neville's the best character they've had all last year. And he, and he just kept messing it up. Yeah, that's, that's true. He, he, he carried the 205 live roster and the Cruiserweight title on his back and he did a fantastic job didn't he mm. and like I said um, this should be the springboard for him to be on Raw and Smackdown Live tearing it up Yeah. and, and obviously he's, he's in limbo at the moment and I want that to be sorted out and I want him to, to be back on our TV screens you know, sooner rather than later because he's done a fantastic job with the Cruiserweight title but it shouldn't be the um, you know it should be like option C in Impact Wrestling, you should have that option to to move up to the the IC title or the US title, and that's what they definitely need to do with Neville mm. if he comes back from from this dispute. Yeah, I'd love a Neville versus Miz match would be amazing. Yeah, Neville versus Bobby Roode would be amazing as well, wouldn't it? Mm. So yeah, so come back, me and Neville. We miss you. Yeah, we miss you a lot. <laughs> Number three, Eddie Guerrero, um, two-time champion. Sorry? Latino Heat. Latino Heat. Um, yeah, two-time champion, combined reign, 91 days, longest reign, 49 days. Um, right, so it's four pages of notes, people. Uh, that, that, was, that was at 12 o'clock. That's six pages of notes now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Eddie was only part of the Cruiserweight division, really, between August and December to 1997. He was mainly part of the US title scene. So, but then few, what a few months they were. They were amazing. So after losing the US title, Guerrero feuded with Jericho, focusing on the cruiserweight title. And he challenged Jericho for the title at Clash of Champions, but lost. He then demanded a rematch for the title in the opening of Four Brawl. And Guerrero defeated Jericho for the title. He then dropped it to Rey Mysterio. Sorry, one second, Chris. And then matched that. Uh, Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero were kind of wrestling for themselves because the crowd, for some reason, were uh, sitting on their hands. Yeah. Even though the match in front of them was a masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Chris Jericho said about it in his books. Yeah, I think a lot of them, early WCW, they used to just let people in or pay people to go be in the crowd. I've yeah. heard. Yeah, so um, he then dropped the title to Rey Mysterio at Halloween Happy in a title versus mask match. In yeah. one of the greatest cruiserweight matches of all time, and hmm. quite possibly the best WCW match in, in history. Then, uh, that was just incredible. Then on the episode of Nitro in the November, he regained the championship from Guerrero 
and then made a successful defence of the title against Guerrero at World War Three. Then after retaining the title against Dimalenko in the open belt at Starcade in ninety seven, Guerrero dropped its Ultimo Dragon the following day on December twenty ninth of Raw. That was the last time he held the title. But just then that's a, what an amazing couple of months. Mm, amazing couple of months and amazing bunch of opponents, wasn't it really? Yeah. And, and those matches I think I think everyone you're talking about is is like a legend in professional wrestling and definitely in the cruiserweight rest on the cruiserweight wrestling side of things. So yeah. If you was a fan of WCW and you're a fan of cruiserweight wrestling, none of those matches you know sorry, all those matches you, you <laughs> need to be watching. Or you need to watch. Yeah. He sadly passed away in November two thousand five. Yeah, I was at Universal all the day before and unfortunately came back the on the thirteenth of November I remember it clearest day and, and heard that one of my uh, my childhood heroes, uh, Eddie Guerrero, had passed away, and he's still sort of missed to this day. Yeah. Oh. All right, so number two was uh, Chris Jericho. He was a four four time champion, holding it, <laughs> holding holding it for a t- combined two hundred thirty one days. His longest reign was one hundred thirteen days. This this is when Chris Jericho came into his own, though, isn't it? Really, as a character. Yeah. On WWTV, he's his matches and his feud against Dean Malenko are legendary. Uh, his matches against uh, Rey Mysterio as well. Hooven um, Tooth Guerrero, because he wanted to unmask him. Yeah. Uh, he, he just he just used this. This was his opportunity. He came in as a hero and and really didn't like the experience. And then when he had the opportunity to take the the reins as a villain. He really excelled, and this is exactly what I'm saying about 205 Live. Chris Jericho worked with the Cruiserweight title, and then it springboarded him, and now look at him. He's a legend in professional wrestling. Yeah. And that, that's that's what I thought we should do. Jericho made the Cruiserweight title. The Cruiserweight title didn't make Chris Jericho. His Cruiserweight Championship tenure was mainly remembered for his feud of Dean Malenko. So um, it kind of started when Jericho was claiming that he was better than... Yeah, Malenko in the ring, but he kept refusing to fight him. And then, as you said, he went on to announce that he was, he knew four more holds. <laughs> I mean, there's so squatching in. No, <laughs> this is, yeah, I, don't know. <laughs> I give up. Yeah, add uncensored. Um, Jericho defeated Malenko in a good match and defended the title, causing Malenko to leave the um, WCW due to frustration. Then. Yeah, he then went in a promo march on Nitro. You'll see to tell us all 1,004 holds he knew. <laughs> it's one of the best promos ever. Hold one, arm drag. Hold two, arm bar. Hold three, the moss-covered, three-handled family gridunzel. Why does he just Number mail four, us this list and we'll announce it? Bar. He just ran Number it. Number five, the Saskatchewan spinning nerve hole. This must be meathead microphone night. You think so? Bar. He's got 998 to Number go. Nine. Get the hook, we're out of here. Shut up. Get a haircut. Number 10, right-handed. Yeah, every, every other move on the list was an armbar. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a thousand variations of an armbar. <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan, Chris. You should know this. Let me know what a legend, that legendary career he's had ever since. So, number oh, one, absolutely. 
And we're all hoping this. Number one is Enzo. Enzo More. (laughs) Number one, Rey Mysterio, um, who is an eight-time champion, holding it combined. 486 days, his longest reign was 115 days. So Malenko start uh, Malenko, Mysterio started his career at AAA promotion in Mexico. And then yeah. he, he got national exposure when he was, he was hired by uh, Paul Heyman to work in WCW. He, he was part ECW. of the World's Collide uh, pay-per-view as well. Chris, that's where he got noticed. Mm. Mysterio would only last a year. What happened? Memorable feuds of Psychosis and Uber to Guerrero. He was signed up by WCW, and he stayed with the company until they were bought out by WWF. So, so have, you got, have you got any favourite memories of Film Stereo? Oh, absolutely. You know, we've talked about Rivelli Guerrero, that Halloween Havoc matches, a uh, Cruiserweight blueprint, and in terms of a, a wrestling match, um, if people want to know how to engage the crowd and how to give them a match that leaves them breathless, they need to be watching that and and kind of um, and kind of learning and living from it. I would imagine that the the three seventeen-year-old uh, British wrestlers that you you talked about, JJ Barker, Joe Nelson, and Billy Norton. The reason why they're a fan of Rey Mysterio is probably because of that match. Um, that was fantastic, and uh, you know, like I said, he had a great feud against uh, Chris Jericho. He's basically every time. Mysterio went into a match. He had an amazing match at World War Three against Ultimo Dragon, who I'm absolutely shocked to the core isn't in the top ten hmm. because he's one of the uh, the most important cruiserweights um, of all time, in all honesty. But bringing it back to Mysterio, and then yeah, um, he had the cruiserweight title feud with uh, Matitude, Matt Hardy. And yeah. they had a you know pretty good match at WrestleMania. Okay, he only he only lost out on the top ten by average percentage of the poll. Him him and um, Chavo had the same points. Oh, okay, and and then uh, on SmackDown they had the main event in there between Char uh, not Chavo, Matt Hardy and Rey Mysterio. That was the first main event that the Cruiserweight title was in, mm. and that was fantastic. And then once again the uh, Mysterio. Um, Worked with the cruiserweight title, and you know he brought it up, and then moved on from that, and was a part of, uh, you know, there was a great match at uh, WWE No Mercy 2002 with Mysterio and Edge against uh, Kurt Angle, and as we've already mentioned, him Chris Benoit mm. in one of the greatest tag team matches you'll probably ever see. He was part of the SmackDown Six along with Edge, uh, Benoit, Angle, Brock Lesnar. Um, both Guerreros wasn't it yeah and Eddie Guerrero as well so uh, and that was when Heyman was running Smackdown and Bischoff was running Raw and it was really really interesting um, to see which show would be better than the other one and 9 times out of 10 it was Smackdown which WWE for some reason didn't like because Raw's the uh, the so called flagship show Uh, (laughs) Mysterio has you know has been amazing in uh, WWE. He won the 2006 Royal Rumble, won yep. the World Heavyweight title at uh, WrestleMania 22, 22, 21. I'm not sure. I'm trying to, I'm trying uh, to work my way back. No, it's going to be 22. And he, yeah. he fought Eddie Guerrero in a fantastic feud 
um, in 2005. Um, yeah, so, and then uh, obviously, as of current day, Rey Mysterio is still wrestling. He was a part of the Royal Rumble as the best It's the first time I've seen him wrestled out of shirt for years. Yeah, the best surprise of the Royal Rumble. He's had the most views on YouTube. And now he's, uh, you know, a, a big part of the five-star wrestling uh, UK arena tour that's happening at the moment. Mm. And he's uh, live on free sports on a, on a first night here in the UK. So, yeah, Mysterio is probably the greatest cruiserweight in the history of professional wrestling and uh, well-deserving of number one. Yeah, and as you said, he's also challenged and juiced them from the Liga to a match at New Japan Pro Wrestling's big, strong style event at yeah. Long Beach, California, March 25th. So that should be an amazing match. So so what did you think of the top ten overall? Well, it's it's without Paul London, so that's disappointing. <laughs> mm. It's without Ultimo Dragon. I know we've, we've just briefly spoke about it. I, I can't believe he's not part of the top ten because when you talk about the J-Crown, you talk about Ultimo Dragon. Uh, he's actually been on like WWE events with ten titles around his arms, waist, oh, it's, it's, his neck. It's amazing. Everywhere it's amazing. you can imagine. So it's amazing sight uh, that one where he's got all the, that was the nine titles. He's got the eight, and then the WCW one as well. It looks amazing. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's something on those lines, isn't it? So Bill, Billy Kidman didn't make top ten, even though he's a seven-time champion. Sorry, who's that? Billy Kidman. Yeah, Billy Kidman when. You know, all the things that he did when he was in the flock, when he was with uh, Tory Wilson and and obviously uh, in WWE, one of my favourite Paul London matches was against Billy Kidman from No Mercy 2004. Uh, I love the fact that Kidman was using the shooting star press to injure people. Mm. Um, I thought that was quite a cool character thing. So, yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting one as well. But like you said, the top 20... Uh, cruiserweights from from the the list that we uh, compiled. Um, you know, there, there isn't much difference between the top ten is there really in the top twenty. No. When you think about it, you could make an argument for anyone. Um, yeah, some yeah. People, some people might have expected psychosis to get in, but despite him doing great things for cruiserweight wrestling, he didn't really do much of the title. I think he had two reigns, which lasted a combined week. Yeah, so. exactly. So you know. Um, I, I think I think the top ten is is how it should be. Um, like like I said, I, I I'm obviously uh, properly biased about Paul London. I thought his his cruiserweight title run was was really good in WWE, mm. and obviously he was tag team champions with Brian Kendrick as well. So I think when we're looking at the cruiserweights, um, one of the one of the things we we should have done, I guess we are kind of doing in the podcast is talking about the legacy of the Cruiserweight title for that individual yeah. and where did they go from there so you know Rey Mysterio has um, made the Cruiserweight title and then gone on to become a legend because of his time with the Cruiserweight title and how he'd set him up in uh, professional wrestling so uh, you know Ultimo Dragon uh, was you know fantastic in Japan and then WCW and then held all these titles uh, the J Crown, as we've said, um, you know, and, and and it's just just like that, really. It's I think it's the legacy of cruiserweight wrestling is how did that that cruiserweight then do when mixing up with heavyweights? And you know, Jericho did well, Mysterio did well, Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero did well. Um, you know, uh, 
at Gregory Helms, Hurricane, Sugar Shane, obviously went up against The Rocks. So that's four out of the top ten. Um, you know, I, I might be missing something. I'm, I'm sure you could make an argument for at least five out of the top ten have mm. been around the Cruiserweight title, and it's been a, a catalyst and a catapult to a legendary career. So if you want to see the full results of the Fatal 4-Way polls, you can head over to our Twitter, it's bbtwpod, and then click on the moments. It's under, I think it's called Cruiserweight Tournament. That's a huge thanks for listening, and we'll see you again for our review of Elimination Chamber. Good night. Good night, everyone, and get well soon, Nick. Yeah.